know the why human trafficking work is needed to fight for the freedom of modern day slaves. But love, passion, commitment isn't all you need to be an effective and successful anti-trafficking advocate. Learn the how. I'm Dr. Celia Williamson, Director of the Human Trafficking and Social Justice Institute at the University of Toledo. Welcome to the Emancipation Nation podcast, where I'll provide you with the latest and best methods, policy, and practice discussed by experienced experts in the field so that you can cut through the noise, save time, and be about the work of saving lives. Hey, Lisa. Hey, Celia. Lisa Belton joining us again. You know what I was thinking? You know, this is going to be episode 89. Wow. And, you know, I would say there's one thing that all of our previous guests have had in common. Do you know what that is? No. What? what? Every single guest said that at some point they heard a story. They heard a story about human trafficking. And. I'm sure whoever's out there listening that that if you sat there and thought about it for a minute, the reason that you are doing the work that you're doing today is because you heard a story or maybe you experienced a story. And what's so powerful about story is that it really allows us to see through somebody else's eyes. You know, it gives us meaning. Right. And. You know, what I think is what stories really do is they orient us to our sense of purpose. Oh, wow. Yeah. Profoundly said. Stories orient us to our sense of purpose. I have to sit with that for a minute, you know, because I I do believe that they connect us to our sense of purpose. I like that. Well, the guest we have today heard a story. And the story changed the way she saw the world. And she couldn't shake it. And then she used all her talents and skills as a documentary maker to create a film about human trafficking. Well, first, she tried to get other people to do it. (laughs) But I got to believe it really wasn't for them to do. It was for her to do. So she used some of her own money to make this film happen. It's a film about human trafficking in other countries. So she traveled to Cambodia, Thailand, Vietnam. um, And I know someone said that if a story comes to you the way it came to her, give it away. Somebody else needs to hear that story. So she tells the story through her documentary of abolitionists that are fighting trafficking in these other countries. And I don't want to give it away. So without further ado, here's my interview with Christina Zorich. And then I'll get your reaction and we'll discuss it on the back end. Welcome to the Emancipation Nation podcast. Today we have filmmaker Christina Zorich. And she has a film where she followed abolitionists throughout Southeast Asia that have dedicated their lives to rescuing, rehabilitating, preventing, and prosecuting those involved in sex trafficking. And she's here today to talk about her incredible journey and this amazing film that's gonna come out. So welcome, Christina. Thank you so much for having me, it's an honor, thank you. And thank you so much for 
taken the issue on and actually traveling around to learn about something like this? What prompted you to even do that? Well, it's such a, you know, um, the beginning of a project, especially since this is self-funded, is most of the time I started off as an actress then I taught acting and then that led to directing and producing jobs. And most of the time I'm a hired hand, but when you decide you're going to self-produce something that really is that you care about, that you're passionate about finding that project that you're going to pour your money into, um, that was a big deal for me. That was a big, that was new for me. And so it took me a little while to come to the subject matter that felt like what I really wanted to dedicate my, all my time and money into, and, you know, look what you're doing with this podcast. You can see this, this issue kind of radicalizes people in a, in an incredible way. Um, it just, it just has to, once you start finding out about it, hearing about it, it, it creates this, um, urgency in most people of conscience to want to do something and figure out their place in, in, in their position um, in that struggle to do something. And it took me a while. And I met an anti-trafficker at a party in Hollywood in 2012. And she was working as a nurse in a hospital in Northern California. And women and children that had been trafficked were coming in. And there was no system to rehabilitate them, to help them. And she decided to build homes and fill them with rescued children and women, staff them. But then she had to finance all of this. So she was in Hollywood looking for people to finance her work and told me kind of a horror story um, about one such rescue. And I was just, frankly, time stood still. It was one of those moments in your life where you you feel a sense of like destiny, urgency, um, and... Uh, I, at that moment, I, I just didn't know. I didn't. I was teaching acting, and I started sending her uh, directors and cinematographers that could help. At that point, all I could think of was to send her people, really skilled people that could help create fundraising materials t- to raise money. And she had a bunch of interview interviews with people that I recommended. And they all asked for money, even though I had told them on the buy and buy not to do that, <laughs> but they did. And she said, Christina, she, afterwards, she said, Christina, they're all, you know, they'd be wonderful, but you know, I have to put all the money into the girls and helping these children. And I thought, gosh, this is, that's when I had the idea of the new abolitionist. That's when I had the idea of doing a documentary about it. Um, first of all, just so other people could ex- have happened to them what happened to me, which is to feel like they understood what was going on. Um, For me personally, the idea of getting to the bottom of what is this? Why is this happening? How is this happening? And, you know, at this time in history that thinking we're past this and here we are. Um, And so then it took a little while till I had the, the resources. I sold some property back in New York and then I had some money. And then even then I kind of you know, because it's a scary subject matter. It's overwhelming. And it did all that for me. It scared me. It overwhelmed me. The more research I did, the more I read movies, everything. It was so upsetting. And I think that's one of the, the most difficult parts of this issue is it's so disturbing and upsetting that you're not, you know, it doesn't really put you in your right natural mind. You, you really 
have to work through so much emotionally and mentally to, to confront the issue and to, you know, and I think we're all going to have to do that globally to kind of vanquish it, you know? Yeah. But thank you so much for that because I'm, I'm glad that it, that it disturbed you. I say to people all the time, it's a, it's, it's emotionally, it's mentally disturbing. And do not go and take medication for this mental disturbance. <laughs> take action, and is which is exactly what you did. You put your money, you put your time. How did you get connected to places outside the US? Okay, well, that is just divine setup, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I, once I knew I knew her, that one anti-trafficker. And then just, I hate to say it, it was like, you know, I've struggled with certain things in my life, but sometimes we find, I call them divine assignments. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we find certain assignments in our life. It can be with people, it can be jobs, with with artists, because so much of it, if you're not hired for something, you have to self-start, you have to be a Mm self-starter. So you really do have to kind of, uh, you, you go on a ride with a project, right? And this ride just kind of unfolded right in front of me. I, I you know, for, for lack of a better way of describing it as a Christian, uh, you know, I feel like God just opened things up for me. Um, and I started meeting people. I went to a, a conference and one of the, the, the head pastors was a big anti-trafficker. And it turns out later, I find out that she actually... Um, was a part of um, ordaining the woman who started her, that I met initially, Erica Graham and like Lee Hero. So they ended up being connected without me tracking it down. It just so happened that they had been on each other's paths Mm -hmm. before. So it was just really interesting. And a lot of the work that, that, that this one anti-trafficking woman that I, that I met um, when I went to her conference was in Southeast Asia According, and then I started meeting people. And then I went on a trip with her. It was an educational trip to kind of educate people and kind of activate people, as you, as you said, mm-hmm. in this cause. And we met different anti-traffickers that have not, uh, non-government organizations, NGOs in Southeast Asia, and who were already doing this work, had already dedicated their lives to this work. And they all kind of know each other, you know, they Mm -hmm. have interconnected purposes and refer to each other. So they, they know each other, most of them. And, um, I, I shot that trip. Um, I thought I had the movie when I came back, I realized I didn't. And then I spent a year after that preparing for a second trip, um, with a producer and a very skeletal, um, uh, crew learning lessons from the first trip. First of all, I had to get undercover spy camera wear uh, and train with it, feel comfortable with it. Cause I realized, you know, this is a criminal industry that doesn't want to be shot. So you have to kind of be covert. And a lot of these anti-trafficking groups in the end, I ended up using my phone more than I thought you know, found a filter for my phone because they all shoot undercover stuff. And what's the, the, the thing we all have that's not suspect? It's our phone. So it ended up being something we used over and over again. What countries 
did you end up filming in? Um, well, I went to Cambodia, Thailand, and Vietnam, but I ended up only using footage from Cambodia and Thailand. Mm-hmm. Um, I was told that that region is most trafficked region in the globe, on the globe, mainly because of the trauma and the, the damage of that, the, you know, the Vietnam War. But, you know, I, I had to really bone up on history in that region to understand it wasn't just the Vietnam War. There was a battle in that whole region um, between democracy and communism in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And every country in that region went through that struggle or had to position themselves in a certain way uh, to, to kind of, because that's, it's almost like that region was the Mideast now, mm-hmm. you know, what we go through now, mm-hmm. or think of the most hotbed area in the globe with, with kind of fraught warfare and yeah. struggles with ideology, be maybe the Mideast now, but then it was there. Mm-hmm. So because of the damages of that, uh, trauma, war, um, you know, the kind of a lot of the battering of the, the, and the, how much it put back the, the governmental structures in those countries. Mm-hmm. Um, that's yeah. what kind of creates the, the possibility for at-risk people groups, which is where trafficking grows the most is at-risk people groups. And you can be an at-risk person for various reasons, but war is certainly one of the most obvious traumas that can happen that leads to that. Absolutely. So how did you go about building relationship and getting into those areas in those communities to be able to film either either outwardly film or covertly film? How did you do that? Um, very gingerly. Uh, I think the fact that I have no desire to hurt, harm, um, in any way impede the incredible work that these people are doing um, made me very, very uh, sensitive and concerned. Like, for instance, every film festival we're in is geo-blocked in the region, uh, meaning that it can't be seen in, in Cambodia or Thailand. And that's because since shooting the film in 2016, the second trip I made was in 2016. We went for, my gosh, it's so long ago, right? It, it, I think it was, um, we were there for a month and a half or maybe, yeah, I think a month and a half shooting. Um, since then the political stance with anti-trafficking group has changed and it's been much more tenuous. So some of the anti-trafficking groups we feature in the film certainly the first group got very concerned about the blowback of the film and how the government will process it. A certain anti-trafficking group in, in one of the countries was, uh, did an interview with a, a news station that put them in hot water with the government. And the stuff that was shared was true. It was just, um, there was blowback. So, uh, they got very worried because there were one of the groups that knew this group said that, you know, their visa was almost revoked and they had to do kind of take back. A lot of people had to get on national television and take back their 
their interviews, which, so as you can see, the freedom in the region that we, we would hope would have happened or progressed closer towards is not necessarily so. So yeah. it's still, you know, I don't live with the reality of the danger of what I'm doing, mm-hmm. but you know, that, that I, I even said to these two groups, I said, listen, I'm going to do everything to protect you so that people in the, in those countries, you know, are not going to see the film, but I can speak out here in this country and say that it is happening and it's real. And um, there you have it. Yeah. I think that's very courageous. We have to take a stand and we have to tell the world what's happening. So tell us the name of the film. The new abolitionists, plural. Um, you can check us out more at the new abolitionists, DOC, as in documentary.com. That's our website. And please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, the same name is used in Twitter. We're N-A abolitionist singular. But the new abolitionist plural is our name. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram and We post updates about what's going on with the film and screenings at different festivals coming up. So this this film isn't out yet. By the time this airs, you will have had one screening so far at a a festival. Well, Um, we've we've basically screened. We've almost been in like 40 festivals at this point. I think, oh yeah, I think of this and we've won by the grace of God, 23 awards and 13 nominations so far. So we've, oh wow. Yeah. We've been doing really well in the festival circuit. Yeah. Awesome. So you have one coming up. That's what's happening. But by the time now we're, we're screening at the, at the LA women's international film festival this week. And uh, I think, the, our official live screening, because that's what they do now with these online screenings. They have live events and you can, you know, meet the filmmaker and mm-hmm. invite audience. Then after that, we're at barebonesfilmfestival.org. I think May, uh, no, April 25th to May 1st. Then we're at fortmyersfilmfestival.com in Florida from May 12th to the 16th. Um, then and after- these, are, these are online opportunities for anyone correct yes yes you can pay pay for just to see our screening we'll, we ha- we post the links just to our screening mm-hmm. on the facebook mm-hmm. on on facebook and instagram usually you know so the audience can catch the screening if hopefully at the time when it's happening um yeah so i would go there if you're looking to see the film Hopefully awesome. we sell it. the goal is that we sell it, but I also have started to look because, you know, COVID I've, I've started to see this, this film festival circuit as kind of like in my, in the back of my mind, it's like a band, you know, going from mm-hmm. <laughs> venue to venue all over the country, kind of grassroots building a following. And I see, I, I just started realizing really early, the most important, purpose of making the film was to educate and as you said earlier activate and yes we want to sell it and yes the you know getting recognition for it is wonderful but I consider all these festivals another opportunity to do exactly that educate and activate educate and activate that's awesome and so what why is it so important that people see the film what will they get or walk away with um I hope that they get a comprehensive look at what the issue is 
uh, we wanted to do, I, I always, you know, the hardest thing about this issue is, um, you know, labor trafficking and sex trafficking are not the same thing. They intertwine sometimes. Um, but I wanted to dip into labor trafficking, but we, we, you know, I had producers and editors telling me, stay in the region, stay on the topic. It's already a lot of information. I really wanted people, you know, I think because I taught acting for so many years and still teach the part of act teaching acting that I loved is just, you get, you have to get to the place in yourself where you really want to hit pay dirt and you want truth. You want to understand what is this, this scene, this character, uh, what is going on with this student? What are the skill sets I need to responsibly teach? So there is like a structure you hunger for that's simple, that makes sense, that's that's like graspable. And I think that that's really what I wanted to do with the film is do that for an audience, um, which was my internal journey, which was what is the problem? How are they handling it? What are the causes and conditions? How do we vanquish it? You know, um, it even though crossing that bridge of dealing with how gross and awful and ugly it is, it itself is, we 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 just can't be. You know, the the movie taught me we can't be deterred by that as people anymore. We just can't. We have to evolve past that and really push through for answers and develop the girth and the, the, the grit to um, get to the other side of that. I don't know if that makes any sense, but. It makes perfect sense. And so yeah. if, if I were to view the film, how, in what ways do you think that, you know, haven't, haven't done the film, in what ways could I as an advocate use this film uh, in ways that educate or inspire, or do you have any thoughts about, you know, how someone might purchase and use the film? Well, I think you can do screenings. I mean, um, you know, the, the film has had many multiple purposes for me. Um, I've had, I've had question and answers at different film festivals and people say to me, I, this, this cause is near and dear to my heart. I want to do something. I say, first, first of all, um, I went through a journey to figure out how I can be a part of being, you know, there's a, there's an anti-trafficker in the film that says everyone has a part to play in ending human sex trafficking. It can be a small one. It can be a large one. You might not spend all your money on making a documentary. You might, there's so many different things, just praying about it, talking to other people about it. You can, we have a what can you do page on at our website, the new abolitionistdoc.com, and we refer them to the, the the groups that are featured in our film. You can come alongside them. You can sponsor a child or family. You can go on a trip with one of these groups or another. You know, after you've done your due diligence, look up another anti-trafficking group that's that you really respect and think are are, are really making headway. You can. Um, you can start a business and hire trafficked uh, uh, victims. You can um, offer your services to one of these groups. They always need teachers or nurses or um, 
you can ask them what they need. There's always, I mean, there's always financial needs that are there. Uh, one guy, uh, one of the groups we followed, a businessman went on a trip and decided to, to start a business with the group, with the um, anti-trafficking group. And he provided jobs in the country of their origin. Um, that's another one. I mean, there's, there's also creative ways you can help being active in this struggle. I think putting political pressure on senators and congressmen in our country. I mean, I really feel from the depth of my soul, and I thought this when I started the film, this is not a political issue. This is not, we mustn't politicize this and use it against each other. This is a bipartisan issue that I think everyone can agree on, protecting children, um, not exploiting other human beings and destroying their lives. I mean, this is a no-brainer to me. It was a no-brainer then. So when it gets politicized now, it gets me very kind of upset when misinformation goes out. And that's why we all have to be very careful with this because any kind of misinformation affects lives. It does, you know? And I, I love that. you. It's simply about humanity, not yeah. about politics. And I love that your film spurs uh, something in people to get involved. I like your perspective on it. There's lots of ways to use the film, not to simply watch it and go, oh, isn't that a tragedy? Or that's a great you know, program that's going on in that country. But you're giving us ideas of how we can use the film as a jumping off point um, to be able to take action or to be inspired or to start something, a business, bringing our talents really to the table the way you brought your talent to the table and you you've done the best you could with the talent you have and you're suggesting other people you know watch the film and decide what kind of talents can they bring to this issue to kind of to try to end it so i i love that outlook i love that perspective so christina what's what's next on the horizon for you well, I mean, I kind of skittered around it. Basically, we're just doing the film festival circuit. Um, as I said, I look at it as an opportunity to uh, educate and activate. Um, that's number one. And then I want to sell it eventually, get it on a streaming network or to a distribution company that can distribute it. It's a very different landscape right now with uh, covid I think um, there's a, a lot of social justice issues that we're all becoming more aware of. And so when I made this, was starting to make this, I don't think we were quote unquote as woke as we are right now. Um, however people feel about that word, but you know, we're, we, we have a, a, a heightened awareness right now, whatever side of the aisle you're on. And so I, I, I think that there's, that's where I'm at. And I, want to make a sale. I'm hoping that we can sell it, but I think I'm probably going to spend the rest of my life attaching to different events or situations connected to this issue. I think it's probably going to be a part of who I am now. But that's really, people have said to me, is there another project? Um, not really, not right now. This is it. Well, and I hope you I hope you sell 
the documentary. I hope people purchase it. I think, you know, the way we give back as well is to lift up people like yourself who are willing to make their own personal sacrifice, their own personal investment, um, and to, to tell the world what's happening in regions that we might not otherwise gain that information. So it's interesting to me how different trafficking presents itself in different cultures and countries with different religions. It really morphs. So that's why it's fascinating, but it's also interesting to, to, to know that the way it presents itself here in this country might be very, very different than the way it does there. Yeah. And we need to learn that. So, you know, I would just encourage everyone to see the film, purchase the film, put your money where your mouth is. This is one place you can put your money, lift someone up who's doing this type of work and is committed to continue to do this type of work. So I hope people will follow your your films and become a fan. I'm a fan. So I can't wait to see the film. So another thing they can do is there's when you go to the what you can do page, all of these anti-trafficking groups um, have created businesses um, around for the for the women um, and these young women, the, the children. Well, they're they're really still children, and so they're they're giving them new skill sets. So buy those products. Buy. I'm really a big fan of uh, or businesses that are purpose driven. Mm-hmm. That you that you buy their products not just for you know not just so that they have a bottom line that they make, but also because they, they represent a certain cause that is near and dear to your heart. So you're every time, like my friend had, she doesn't have it anymore, but she had a coffee business and the proceeds went to anti-trafficking. You know, I drank that coffee for two years. So there's other businesses that, that, that we feature in the film. They make, they manufacture cards, they make clothing, jewelry, handbags, Buy those gifts for family members, for friends. You know, it's a small token, but it's it's an immediate sense of purpose and connection to this work, you know? Absolutely. Right. Speak with your wallet, for sure. Yeah. So thank you so much, Christina, for your time. I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm so glad we got to connect and, and talk about the film that's coming out. I'm excited to see it. So um Thank you. And I wish you much luck and success with this film and what you do in the future. Thank you so much, doctor. Well, what do you think? I can't believe she traveled to Cambodia, um, Vietnam and Thailand. Yeah, that that's amazing. And uh, she was an acting teacher. She said she sent the nurse uh, that she had met who was an anti, you know, trafficking advocate, Mm -hmm. uh, sent her cinematographers and directors. Uh, people that can help market her message and no one would do it for free or, you know, at, at a significantly mm-hmm. reduced mm-hmm. cost. So she self-funded it, used her own time and money to do it. Well, yeah. And she took a gamble selling some property in New York to fund it. Right. And, you know, she's saying she was scared, overwhelmed at first. And wow, that's so cra- I can relate to that feeling. <laughs> I know she took a scary gamble and it really paid off because this documentary has been shown at over 40 film festivals. I think she said that won like over 20 awards. Um, 
And she she calls this her defying assignment. What do you think about that? I I love it. I protecting children and I mean in that matter protecting others is always a divine assignment, don't, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean getting this story out is a divine assignment because no one would ever be able to tell their story like she can tell it because because of the passion for the issue and her willingness to, you know, spend time embedded there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It reminds me of this saying by Dwight Swain. He said, a story is something you give to the viewer. He says, what I do is I want to tell a story to the people. So how do I want the people to feel? Because stories are at their core sort of emotion machines. They can make us laugh. They make us cry. They make us angry, make us fall in love, make our hearts sprint with fear. They distill the human experience and capture its meaning and connect us to our humanity like nothing else. I think she really shared two stories, one in her documentary about what others are doing to fight human trafficking and helping others heal from it, and then her own story of taking the chance to branch out into unknown territory to tell the story that the world really needs to hear. Let's not just do something, let's do the best thing. If you like this episode of Emancipation Nation, please subscribe and I'll send you the weekly podcast. Until then, the fight continues.